0: I want to thank all the labor unions here in Dane County that help keep dot up and going so you keep up to date, whether it be the Madison Firefighters Local 311 or the Madison Teamsters Local 695 or our friends at Madison Teachers Incorporated. These are some of the most active local unions who organize, 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 and constantly stand up for workers. Thank you from dot when you're looking for a new computer or need help with one you already own, call 231-8000 and Madison Computer Works will get things up and running for you. Madison Computer Works, computers that work for you. Welcome to another podcast at Sly's brought to you by the Madison Teamsters, Local 695, and the Operating Engineers, Local 139. Joining us now, former Madison Mayor Paul Soglin. He was mayor of Madison from... 1973 to 1979, 1989 to 1997, and then 2011 through 2019. That's, a, that's an amazing record, isn't it? It was fun, and it was a great great opportunity
1: to serve the people of Madison and, and change the direction of the city. People forget that uh, going into that 73 election in the prior decade... Uh, even a little more. Over half of Madison's mayors were Republicans, and that included some very conservative ones like Bill Dyke.
0: So that was that was a huge change. You've seen a lot of mayors come and go. That have been mayor in your lifespan, living in Madison, and you've lived in Madison for over sixty years now. Uh, how would you rate Sasha Rhodes Conway to the other Madison? Uh, mayors that have been part of your era.
1: Well, certainly, uh, in terms of all the other mayors that that I've observed, she has done more to change the culture of the city in what I'd say is the wrong direction uh, than than anyone. I mean, that's one of the things I, I worked on. It's not just are you going to do a State Street Mall? Are you going to make city government more equitable? Are you going to change? Uh, how the hiring practices of the police department, but it's the overall culture of the city and the environment with which city employees work and how they deliver services
0: and how has she changed the culture
1: well let's just say it's gone from one I, what I would say is is one of building trust allowing people to think and freely express their, their opinions without uh, consequences without any uh, revenge it's a a culture now of intimidation that's one thing that's that's changed the second is I'm'm clear for our, our civil service system uh, in the past mayors have not trotted out department heads have not used uh, city departments in their messaging in terms of a campaign and in the last three months we've seen several instances where in the heat of the campaign it's not the mayor who's speaking but what she's doing is bringing out city staff and and telling them what to say do you think that those are
0: do you think that do you think she's crossed the line as far as the law
1: i don't know we've well that's that's another part of it is we've seen several instances. The city has an Administrative Procedure Memorandum and there's uh, rules on handling finances. So if you want to relocate a person who's taking a job with the city, if you're going to pay their moving expenses, which is permissible, uh, if it is, it is permissible, then there's, there's a limit. And I think the limit's around six thousand dollars, though a waiver can be got for fifteen thousand dollars. And from what I understand, is at least two instances where they not only raised that six thousand to fifteen thousand. I'm not sure they did that right, but what certainly is incorrect. One of those recent hires was given twenty-one thousand, and the other one over forty thousand dollars for their moving expenses. And I just don't see how that's authorized. And I, I, I mean, this is the kind of bending of the rules uh, that's that's been taking place over the last several years.
0: Some of this, <coughs> your critique of Mayor Satcha Rhodes-Conway sounds kind of similar to some of the critiques people were giving of the mayor of Chicago. And of course, she lost her primary.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's it, it's a very different situation in Chicago, but... Uh, the, the business of having absolute and total control—that's uh, that, another area where we're seeing it involving the city council. Now, it's a Chicago tradition. The mayor, uh, you know, not only wants to control the office, but the mayor in Chicago also wants to control their city council. And we've just seen this un- unprecedented um, creation of of of. Uh, Plates of candidates where she's insisting that those of us who live in the various aldermanic districts around the city vote for her candidate. And we, we see that as it particularly affects five African American candidates, uh, all of whom, either as office holders or as citizens, have had serious critiques of the way Satya Rhodes Conway's performed. And they're saying that's not in the best interest of communities of color, the African-American community in particular. And so she's not only uh, endorsed all their opponents, but she's gone out and recruited other members of the city council to uh, oppose those, those five African-American candidates.
0: You're referring to Matt Fair running against Barbara McKinney.
1: That's, that's, one, that's just one, one good example, right. yeah. She, the, the other people with targets on their back, are um, Charles Maze out in the northeast side, uh, Sherry Carter, um, Amani, um, um, Latimer Burris, and uh, Isidore Knox, who's not on the council now, but was on the council about 15 years, 20 years ago.
0: And is it my understanding that she's, she, her rationalization is that these people are not adequately, quote-unquote, progressive?
1: they she is determined that they're now progressive because they've had the audacity to stand up to her on some of the zoning changes that she's made which uh, in my estimation are going to bring in international uh real estate uh firms that that basically prey on everyone when it comes to either their single family homes or apartments uh they disagreed with her about the uh Redesign of the Madison bus system and the implementation of BRT, which she separates out as two different items, but it's all the same bus system. and And the point is, uh, she's claiming that her changes are going to improve access for communities of color. And these people who represent uh, well over a majority of Madison's community of color on the city council. Uh, have serious questions about that and for doing so uh the reward is uh she trots out these candidates to run against them
0: do you think her numbers on adequate service to minority commun- minority and poor communities do you believe she's manipulated the numbers
1: uh, there's no doubt that the numbers have been manipulated uh when 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 any city wants to meet its commitment to make a special effort uh, in terms of deploying services to low-end communities where certain services, like public transit, are needed the most, uh, what what happens is you've got to determine where are and who are those folks. Here in Madison, as well as all over the country, even the state of Virginia has done reports on this, what's done is you do an analysis of those who... Uh, households below the poverty level and you sort out, those are what we refer to as voluntarily poor. For example, university students. Servicing them uh, with additional targeted health services, with additional transit services uh, is is not part of our attack on poverty. Uh, and what 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 she's done in redesigning the Madison Metro uh, bus system is she's claiming there's better access to communities of color and low income communities. But what she's done is she's folded in the uh, a large student population and in certain instances uh, retired seniors uh, on, on fixed income. Uh, now seniors are, are in a different group altogether, but the the point is, the city historically has used its cooperation with the UW Population Lab to do this analysis, and they just threw all that out. They 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 not only turned their back on what's considered the the best use of the demographics, but they've turned their back on the City Plan Department and its team that works with the UW Population Lab and ferreting out the data related to who's in poverty and where the communities of color may be.
0: What do you think that uh, her real goal is with Bus Rapid Transit? Why do you think she's doing this this way? It's a
1: trophy. It's a trophy. She's sacrificing the entire city on this. Uh, Let's let's be clear about something. Uh, When I was on the city council, I led the effort for the city to acquire the private Madison Bus Company and, and to turn it into a public service. If you look at the ridership levels, every time I have been mayor, we have set new ridership levels. Um, you know The expansion of the bus system, the, 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 the service to communities uh, without transportation access like Owl Creek, all that was done while I was mayor. And the one thing I've always insisted upon in doing all this is that we do it right. Uh, people vote with their feet, and they vote with their automobiles. And if you don't do it right, you're going to see a significant decline in ridership, and you're not going to get all of the economic and education, uh, environmental benefits. Well, there's got to be a balance, a perspective. There's competing values here. And in this instance, in, in her rush uh, to get this implemented and, and to do it her way, uh, it's interesting, that old phrase, and it's certainly true. A lot of people, a lot of programs are being thrown under the bus.
0: So let me ask you about the city, or I guess it would have been Madison Metro, firing back at the candidate that you're helping, former school board president Gloria Reyes. And her numbers on bus rapid transit on the costs of operating it being more uh, substantially more than the current system.
1: They are playing such incredible games with the numbers. Let me give you some perspective on this. One of the things they're doing in in citing their operations and their costs is they just recently made a claim uh, and said that Gloria Race's criticisms are wrong. They made the claim that this last year, they operated the Madison bus system with fewer local dollars than when I was mayor in 2019. Now, the way that's been cast is to make them sound like they're great uh, financial geniuses and very efficient in what they're doing. They said local dollars. What they don't uh, explain is that the cost of the operation is significantly higher and that the reason they are able to use fewer local dollars for this year is because of the federal funds that they received. It's not because they're financial wizards or efficiency experts. Another example is they were bragging that one of the bus routes has 19% ridership increase since uh, I was mayor in 2019. Now, that sounds pretty impressive, except, folks... What they don't mention is they they eliminated several other bus routes. And so everybody who was on these three and four other routes are now on the single route. That's why the 19% on that route. But what they're not telling you is what the ridership levels are on those other routes that were discontinued, i.e. zero, or the overall ridership levels. Because ridership levels... Ah, uh, these last two, three years, in principal because of COVID, are are like anywhere from depending on the year and the route, anywhere from roughly twenty five to eighty percent lower than they were four years ago. And do you see, so it,
0: yeah, do you see a yeah. permanent change with more people working for from home, and do we need this expansion?
1: We do, we do need bus rapid transit. There's no question about that. I started the city on this path. And by the way, another clever use of language. She makes it sound like she's some kind of hero saying, the city's been talking about rapid transit for 30 years. Well, that sounds pretty impressive that she's getting it done. Well, bus rapid t- transit has only been on the table for less than a decade, and I got it started in 2015, 2016, and she inherited that work. And very frankly, uh, I feel very abused because of the the way she's used uh, photographs from public sessions we held, things like that, uh, as though those were part of her accomplishments. But the the point is that to make public public transit work, you've got to be very careful. About providing people with the routes they want. You can't tell them what routes they want. And when you do a major redesign, what you really should be doing is surveying the people who use the system. And this is really important. You want to survey and see what the ridership needs of the people who aren't using it so you can bring them on board. And that was not done in this massive, multi-million dollar. Uh, rollout of, of
0: of her vision of the new design. All right, construction started, the, the, the feds paid for the buses, operational costs. So the, the city's saying that the operational costs are not going to be substantially higher. Do you buy that? No,
1: not at all. And that's because what they're doing is they're comparing apples to oranges because they've decimated and cannibalized the system, and they're not discussing all the other routes that they put an end to. I was not going to take away service from low-income communities just to make BRT work, and that's exactly what they've done.
0: We'll take a break. Paul Soglin with us as we talk about the Mayor's Race 2023 here at Sly'sOffice.com. Similar to a well-tuned automobile, a guitar requires the same level of attention to perform at its very best. No matter how expensive your guitar may be, we will treat you and your instrument with the utmost respect. Call 920-723-1733 or visit jeffsguitar.com. Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Fort Atkinson, we love guitars. The attorneys at Jingris Thompson & Wachs have had the honor of receiving numerous awards for their work both in and outside the courtroom. But just as important as receiving accolades for being skilled attorneys, it's equally important to give back to the community in which they live and work. If you want a personal attorney that can help you in so many different areas, they've got them. They're in Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee, and Waukesha. They're easy to reach. GTWlawyers.com. We're back at SliceOffice.com, brought to you by Madison Computer Works and Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Fort Atkinson. Uh, Former Madison Mayor Paul Soglin is supporting former school board president Gloria Reyes. Uh, You put out a video the other day talking about how Gloria helped you uh, during periods of trouble, uh, especially when it came to law enforcement. Tell me about how you think the current mayor handled the situation in 2020, and what could have been done differently.
1: All right, so David Cooper, when he became chief here in late 72, and then encountered the first demonstrations in 73, 74 under his guidance. The department avoided all of the violent confrontations that the city had witnessed in previous years. There were certain techniques that, that they used, and they were very, very effective. Um, and so, jumping jumping up to uh, recent years, when we had the, the tragedy involving the, the death of Tony Robinson, uh, Gloria was in the office as as deputy mayor, working with me, and... You'll recall, even though we had very, very large uh, uh, demonstrations and we had uh, people who were very adamant about their, their position on what ought to be done with Madison's police department, we really didn't have any violence. And that, that's because what we did is we brought in community leaders to work with the police department to go through the crowds So there were no physical confrontations, or at least they were held at a minimal amount, depending on, you know, how adamant certain members of the crowd were. If you look at how the demonstrations here in Madison were handled after uh, George Floyd's death in Minneapolis, and you put that in juxtaposition to, you know, how Gloria advised me, if you look at how it was done in Houston, or the history of the Madison Police Department, as though they'd taken out of the playbook what you do not do so Saturday the demonstrations 90% were peaceful Uh, demonstrations in the last hour on Saturday they turned violent and we had the trashing on State Street Sunday morning hundreds if not thousands of people showed up on State Street to repair the damage now at that juncture there were two paths to take and Satya Rhodes Conway took the wrong path She took the path of confrontation, knowing there'd be crowds on Sunday night. uh, What she should have done was invoked the help of the clergy, of of people of faith, of community leaders in the nonprofit community, the community centers, and then, along with the presence of Madison police, not militarized, not militarized. They should have gone out there, uh, mingled with, with the people, History tells us uh, we would have had a peaceful evening. Instead, one, they militarized the Madison Police Department. Two, they brought in the National Guard. She did that. And three, she announced that there was a curfew. Now, anybody in the thousands and thousands of demonstrations held around this country, around the world every year, knows. That if you want to hold a red flag in front of the bull, if you want to provoke a, a, a dangerous situation, you declare a curfew. I mean, that's like a challenge. Then, on top of that, you bring in the National Guards, your militaries, the police, and you saw what happened. And then, of course, the worst part about it, most, half, over half the locally owned businesses on State Street are owned by either women or people of color, including some who are refugees from oppression. They were already badly hurt by COVID. Then we could get the trashing. There's an immediate call to uh, do something to help the State Street businesses. And she basically turned her back on them and said that they were all racist.
0: Yeah, I couldn't believe that moment. And, of course, Rebecca Campbell said some outrageously irresponsible things during that debate, and the, the council voted down the money, but where was the leadership from her? Well, She that's, disappeared.
1: That's where you need a mayor. That's where a mayor uh, sets the tone. And, and, you know, you don't have to be a great mayor to do it properly. You know, one of the most confusing people in the world is a really horrible human being by the name of Giuliani, the former mayor of New York City. And he is... He is a horrible human being, but in the light of uh, 9-11 and the tragedy of of that day, he provided and showed up uh, with inspirational leadership, not just for New York City, but the country. Uh, So you you don't have to be perfect to do the right thing.
0: Let me ask you about Gloria. She worked for you. Um, you don't hand out endorsements easily. You easily could have just sit, uh, sat this race out. What qualities does she have that Rhodes-Conway doesn't, that you think could move the city in the right direction? And I'm not necessarily talking about policy. I'm talking about how she would operate.
1: But, yes. All right. So let, let's let's go to sacha Rhodes-Conway's wheelhouse from her, her experiences with the uh, the Mayor's Innovation Project that she had before she was in public office, before she was mayor. So one of the things that we all want to do is we want to find good practices in other communities that will work on our own. So in 2016-17, we started seeing an increase in homicides here in Madison. And I had gone out and studied... Several programs that were used, not just in this country, but internationally, and found one which was premised on working immediately within hours of a shooting with the people involved in a non law enforcement setting. It has been done in several other cities to various degrees of success. What we did not do was pick up the program as it was adopted in other communities. And then give it an effect to the people of Madison, their leadership, the nonprofits, the police department, those involved in reforming the criminal justice system, and say, this is what you're going to do because it worked elsewhere. We looked at it. Here's what happened. Gloria assembled a team on January 1st, 2017. She assembled a team of about 8 to 10 people coming from county government, coming from the police department, coming from nonprofits, coming from folks who work with juveniles. They met for five months, and they came up with a Madison model of this idea. They weren't told this is how you do it. They built a Madison system. Gloria provided leadership for that. She didn't tell people what to do. I know that because occasionally I would drop in on their meetings for half an hour and just sit there and listen. When they got done, the participants and the organizations they represented, since they designed it, had a vested interest in its success. They were committed to it. It was theirs. It wasn't something forced on them. Well, in the 17 months following the implementation, the rollout, we had, if I remember correctly, Two homicides in Madison. Now, there's there's more to the story than that, as I tried to expand the uh, uh, program, and, and uh friends on the city council uh, turned down my request for more money. But the, the point is, you see, two very distinct styles of leadership. One is, is Sacha wrote Conway's, which is, this is my way, this is the way we do it. And you're going to do this program, import it from somewhere else, and there's no talking back. Then there's the way Gloria led the team, which was full participation. You take an idea, you refine it, you make it Madison, you get buy-in, and it works, and it did, and it does.
0: You, uh, you're pretty good seeing around corners. What scares you most about the trajectory of the city economically um the the makeup of the city as far as having working class people here and you know just kind of thriving as a community what what concerns you most about the direction this the city is heading
1: whenever we did major projects or even minor projects we did the kind of analysis in part that i just described where you know gloria worked with that team And we would do evaluations of the finances. We would look at all the options. And there's a key word here, which is externalities. We'd look at the externalities. What were the impact beyond the immediate idea? And again, we see a difference between the two candidates. And this is what most disturbs me. And it's represented in one thing that was done in this February, which was the zoning change. We don't have time to go into all the details, but the zoning change, which is intended to make housing more affordable for low-income families is not going to work and it's going to have the exact opposite effect. I keep talking about this company, Blackstone. They are going around the world. Uh, They're mostly focused here in the U.S. And wherever they can find cheap housing, they buy it up, whether it's single-family homes or apartments. And then They raised the rents. There's just an article this weekend about what they're doing in California in um, San Diego.
0: You only have to go 70 miles to the east. They're doing it in Milwaukee.
1: Well, they did did it in Milwaukee 2009, 10, 11, after the recession. You want to know why there's all those evictions? It's because of companies that came in, bought up the Milwaukee housing that was depressed, 30, 40, 50% discounts on what was happening in that two-year period of time, raise the rents, and they don't care about the social implications or consequences for working families. And this city council, this mayor, have made an economic change through this zoning adjustment, through these rewrites of the zoning code. And I can tell you, if they're they're not here already, they're investigating Madison. And let me just tell you something. When I asked, have you looked at the consequences of what this is going to do to Madison, they said, well, these companies mostly operate only in the South and the Southwest. They don't come to the Midwest. And that is true. Up until now, because of this new change, everything is different. Uh, a place that would today rent for $2,000 will be renting for 3000 A place renting for 3000 is going to rent for 5000 And when you have the potential from the zoning change to see those rents increase by 50 to as much as 100%, it means the property itself is more valuable as an income generator, and that's where these folks are going to step in. Take a family of four. Take a family of four with a couple of kids. They're saving up. They've got their $15,000 down payment. The house that they're interested in is $300,000. This is a goal in their life. The $300,000 home is now going to be worth $400,000 because of its market value as a rental for these corporations. Mom and dad do not have the money to compete with that, and they can't make an offer with no contingencies. Uh, This company that I refer to, uh, Blackstone, they make cash offers, no contingencies, Average family doesn't have a chance.
0: Madison Mayor Paul Soglin, thank you for coming on with us. Obviously, Election Day is April 4th. Uh, I think a lot of people think that this uh, race is over. I suspect you feel otherwise.
1: Well, we've had some some real interesting debates uh, over the weekend. Uh, the one about it, uh, Sacha became unnerved when she was confronted by Barb McKinney. About uh, the implicit racism in the uh, mayor's, the present mayor's endorsement of all dramatic candidates, and I don't think that's going to go away over the next eight days. And I don't think Madisonians are very happy about it.
0: Paul, thanks for coming on with us today. Sure enough, Sly's Office. Do it again. All right, Sly'sOffice.com. Sly'sOffice.com. Thanks a million. Bye bye.